Hey everybody, welcome to Nutri IQ Radio, where we talk about all things food, fitness, and feeling good. I'm your host, Sean Hare, and this week we've got a very special guest interview. In this week's show, Nutri IQ founder Jim Gale is interviewing his dad. Last month, Jim's dad celebrated 30 years sober, a huge achievement for which I had the honor of putting together a video from his family as they couldn't be there with him due to the lockdown restrictions. As you can imagine, this is a very personal interview between Jim and his dad, and we're honored that he agreed to open up and tell his story of sobriety on the show. I'll not give any more away. I'll let them do the talking. Enjoy. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. How's it going? I'm good, thank you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing really good. Nice. Just come back from a nice holiday. Where was you? Week away, North Wales. Lovely. Was there no big old restrictions there? They've been quite tight, haven't they? Only in the south of Wales, apparently. Oh, so you was all right. In the north, it was fine. Just the usual um, face masks and things like that. Yeah. When you go into shops, but it was the, it was the usual thing. I think the more bothered sort of the Cardiff report right. down there. Very but yeah, good. we had so, a good break. I was ready for it. So good, mate. Yes, yeah, well deserved. Um, so you come in live from the man shed today. Ready? From the man cave. That's the one. From the man cave. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Still not Ready? complete finished but we're getting there getting there mate yeah every time i come to visit it looks a little bit better most times so as long as no one's leaving <laughs> windows open and and flooding it out just no what was that mate sorry we'll be able to do a bit more to it soon you're gonna have to beat the weather aren't you or is it just yeah, the inside that needs to be it's now? more in yeah, all that, all the outsides sorted. I've just got to paint the decking, but but yeah. So all everything, all my meetings go on in here now. So <laughs> we're all in the same boat, mate. Yeah. All right. So the idea of this today, um, for getting you on the show, is we obviously, um, as a nutrition company, um, I myself. And Sean, as coaches, um, we always advise people on um, the benefits of cutting out alcohol um, for their health and sort of fat loss and stuff like that. Um, we're, we're not really going to touch on that too much today. That, that's kind of <clears throat> a, a topic for a different day. We've got Stocktober coming around the corner which is where people are sort of encouraged to stop drinking for a whole month. Um, and yeah. obviously people see like crazy benefits from it health wise and mentally, psychologically uh, in results. We've gone to the gym, obviously on our end, that's what we see quite a lot. So we encourage um, Stoptober. I, I've seen nothing but good things come from it. So, um, you're now 30 years sober. Congrats. Mm. And we thought it'd be cool to get your perspective more um, 
I guess like a deeper input because obviously we we do talk about quite um yeah, I guess superficial things about it so like most of my clients want fat loss so if I'm ever talking about alcohol it's oh you know there's this many calories in alcohol or you know when you have a big weekend it throws you off for the rest of the week so obviously it's it's not considered superficial to their goals um but there is a obviously much deeper side to alcohol and to alcoholism obviously um, so we, we thought it'd be really cool to get your perspective on it, get a little bit of your history and experience and maybe some advice as well for people. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, that, that's cool. Whatever, whatever else, I'll say whatever else, you know, if anything, if anything else, somebody else, then um, that's a good thing. Awesome positive thing so cool yeah i think yeah. um i mean i always feel like um when i'm coaching people a lot of times i end up thinking like the, you could have an issue there you know you sort of you i'm always laughing and joking with with clients about it and most of the time it, it is just sort of laughing and joking and, and well, i had a big weekend blah 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 Sometimes I do find myself thinking, like, yeah. you got like this. Could, this is like an issue. Not that I'm an expert on it, but um, yeah. So it, yeah. it obviously it's it's quite a yeah. common thing, and I think people listening will definitely um, take something away from it. You know, like you said, whatever helps. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we're gonna yeah, start. Yeah, I think that's sorry. right. Yeah. Sorry. We're a little bit delayed, I think, so we might end up interrupting oh. you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But go on, what was okay. going to say? Um, just picking up on, I don't think it, it takes a lot to recognise whatever whatever field you're in or whatever you like, you were fitness and nutrition um, and, and people in other, in other areas of life, we often come across people um, when they start talking or we know about could just be friends um, and things just things sometimes are obvious um, the way that they talk um, and the way that they might justify um, whether it's whether it's drinking or whether it's nutrition with eating or whatever but you can often see you often pick up on people justifying their actions sometimes um, It's not. It's not always. It's it's subtle, but you can see it in some people. I don't think it takes a lot to see it. Sometimes, sometimes it's quite obvious, um, but you have to be really careful. You can't, you know, jump in and mm. and say something. Yeah. I think that the, I think there's an there's a there's a kind of just a social skill to it. You know, the last the last somebody. The last thing that somebody uh, wants who might have a problem somewhere in an area of their life is somebody else to just badge in and give them, like, give them advice straight off the, yeah. off the youth, you know. So it takes a little bit working in with some people. It's just, just a matter of getting to know people, mm. you know. And it's only, at the end of the day, it's only your experience or my experience. That's all we have to go on. We don't, 
we're not, you know, we're not experts in anything, you know. Yeah. I speak for myself. Hmm. But yeah, you can see it often. You know, I, I often see it when I talk to friends or whatever. Um, and we, we come from a culture that's very, alcohol's quite a big part of our culture. Yeah. In, in uh, the youth. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to French, the French and the Italians, um, other parts of Europe, it, it's different. It seems different, you know. It's a different mm. way, you know. Yeah, do you think that uh, we've spoke a little bit about this in the past? Do you think that it's in the sort of prohibition of it in youth, like, like it? It only is anecdotal for me, but it seems like people who their parents were a little bit looser on rules around alcohol when they were younger actually grow up not being big drinkers and then people that were kind of kept away from it or um you know prohibited kind of from having it end up yeah. just in more cases but I, like i said it's only anecdotal um, yeah do you think that that is the case i i think that's a part of it it can be a part of it like like anything um don't have to be alcohol it could be anything i think Sometimes when um, when we when we're forced to when we're forced away from something, there's a part of us that is wants to know, you know, why, you know. I think that's why information is vital to um, children and and late and teenagers. That information is vital. That that people are open, you know, about the effects of things without being without being judgmental about their actions i think a, there's a lot there's a lot in that but there is definitely yes that's that's an aspect i think in a, in a lot of us you know but it is ingrained alcohol is ingrained in our culture which i think is a bigger aspect so regardless of what happens maybe with your parents or your teachers when you're younger we come out into a culture we're surrounded by it um, so it, it could just be where you land and the kind of influences you have around you especially when it comes to peers you know some of us some of us are so i know in my own experience uh, when i was younger i was easily influenced by what i thought were stronger personalities people that seemed to you know that charisma and the mm. and they just seem to lead you know um and i've always that's something i've come to find out about myself is i've always want i'm easily influenced so i tend to go down that i'm not saying that's a whole picture but especially with my own experience with alcohol is um you know yeah just an e, e i mean i'm easily influenced that's it yeah and mm. um, okay so going back then do you remember your first ever drink? Um, not, not specifically. Um, I remember, I remember in a field drinking cider with my mates before we went to like a, a what we call a disco. Then, you know, <laughs> the local I've heard of them. Yeah, down local church hall <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, but. I, what I do remember, for me, is 
is uh, it just was transformative. And a lot of people will say, probably say the same thing who are not, or have not had trouble later in life, you know, and that have, have maybe evened off, you know, be able to drink socially um, without getting trouble. But for me, um, my earliest recollections are that alcohol basically changed my perception of reality almost instantly, um, which is which is a big hook. Um, when something does that for you, um, if it does that for you, you know, I, somebody said to me once, if something does that for you, like changes your perception of reality to that extent, eventually it's going to start taking things from you, you know, mm. and that's exactly what happened. But, but going back to your question, yeah, I, you know, I was only 13, 14 years old, yeah. um, but I can remember the effect, the effect it had on my psyche was, um, so I just looked, so I was looking for that same effect every time. And so you say it obviously instantly changed your perception of reality. Oh, almost instantly, yeah. Right. And did you at the time understand why then it was so appealing? Like, it makes perfect sense if it alters your perception of reality and that is in the moment a seemingly better reality but yeah. did, did like how long did it take you to realize I that, it, that it wasn't just the thrill of the booze it was like something deeper than that um not for me not until like a lot later when i got help right. i didn't i didn't really connect the dots then i just knew that when when I had a drink, I changed. Something in me changed. But there wasn't a... I didn't connect the dots to the point where, oh, that, you know, this is... This could be a problem. Yeah. Because it wasn't a problem for a long, long time. And that I think that's the case with a lot of people who get in trouble with it, is if we recognised it early enough, you would have probably done something about it when there was time. Yeah. But... For me, um, for me, alcoholism—that's um, the baffling part about it—is that it takes too much away from you before. For me, well, for me and a lot of, and a lot of people, you know, that I've that I met and talked to about this disease, and I think it is a disease. I believe that. Um, somebody said dis-ease, like a dis-ease. Mm. We tend to think about disease as something. It's just a dis ease. That's all. Like that's that just seemed to hit home to me that when when I drank and it worked, there was no dis ease <laughs> anymore. I was at, I was at perfect ease and comfort with everything and everybody. And I'm not saying I was higher or lower. It made me equal to everything. I, I felt as if I just. I just fit it in, you know. Right. There's a saying. There's a saying that says, um, "I felt two pints short of feeling normal." <laughs> and that, that's how I always that. And although it's funny, it that's how it felt. Yeah. It felt I was just a couple of pints short of feeling normal. Mm. And until I'd had a, until I'd had a drink, but 
the rationale behind it was, hey, all my mates are doing the same. Everybody that I, I drank with, they were all drunk like I did, or I thought that anyway. Yeah. So it, it hides itself in in normality. That's that's our drinking culture again. Alcoholism hides itself. It, it looks normal. It looks like a normal life to be living. Yeah. And you know? I mean, we might we might from families that drink like that as well, you know, but not necessarily got in trouble. Might have family members that we know who who drink a bit, but have not necessarily got got in trouble from it so yeah so it, it's not um i think like a, a conception of mine that you broke quite early on was that alcoholism is just volume of alcohol like when yeah. i was younger that's that's just what uh, uh, straight away i thought was if you're an alcoholic you drink a lot of alcohol that's it yeah but yeah. obviously it's it's not how much you're drinking it, yeah. it's why yeah it's it's the effect for me, personally, it, it's a bit of a it, it's a bit of a myth that it's that it's all about quantities. Mm. Although a lot of alcoholics drink a huge amount of alcohol, um, but I know that I used to drink with with um, people that would, could drink a lot more than I drank. Um, but apparently, in the morning, they just they just got up and went to work, and mm. they want think they want thinking about having a drink in the morning, you know, whereas alcohol for me, um, once it got its claws in me, I wasn't getting up in the morning thinking about work, I was thinking about how can I feel at ease again um, and so I can work. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, when I started drinking in the mornings and I never, and that was not my experience for a long time, but in the last couple of years, that, that's what I was doing. I was I was looking for a drink in the morning, um, not because I wanted to get drunk, because I just wanted to feel at ease and comfort. And and apparently, I drank with people who didn't necessarily feel feel like that. They just drank because uh, it did what it said. It it's, it says it relaxed them, and they was able to maybe let their hair down a bit, a lot in some cases. Mm. Um, but for me, I, I can only. I personally call it a disease of perception. It's a disease of perception, um, meaning that if it changes your perception that much, then it's a danger sign, you know, because you can, the mind just wants to, it's like that euphoric recall. The mind wants, even though the evidence says, look, your life's going down the, down the toilet quick and things are happening and things are being taken away from you. The mind, the mind has that euphoric recall button in it that goes, maybe, just maybe this time, I can drink. If I find the right amount to drink or the right people to drink with, or the mind's always looking, the, the alcoholic mind is always looking for to justify that next drink, and and it's because it it worked for me at one time. You know, anybody who says they didn't. They didn't have a good time drinking. Who's an alcoholic? Well, it don't make any sense to me. That why would you? Why would you? <laughs> it well, so, um, you talked earlier about recognizing <clears throat> quite easily in people when they are justifying. Um, yeah. What 
justifications did you make was like your sort of favorites earlier on before you really like recognized it um maybe the old one that a working man there's nothing wrong with a working man having a drink mm. um if you can't have a drink you know something wrong in the world that kind of thing and i suppose it goes along with that culture that i didn't it was e easy to hide in that culture that's a general rationalization in that culture is that that's what we do you know we if you can't have a day's work and then go for a pint you know we we grow up in a country that says one of the biggest thing a father can do is take his son for a drink when he's 18 years old down to the local boozer or it used to be years ago not so much now but it was like a rite of passage yeah you know i'll take you for a pint for a couple you know for, I'm sure a lot of foreigners look at us gone out with, with that kind of thing, you know. Mm. Like, why should that be a Why should that be a a, a, a right passage, you know? Yeah, it's weird. Why not go? What, what about going hiking with you know? <laughs> with that, you know. <laughs> oh, we did our first, you know. They could but always it, send us out to hunt a bear, couldn't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. What happened to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends where you live, I suppose. Yeah. Live in Canada, maybe somewhere like that. But yeah, so I think justifications are a, are a big part of, of illnesses like that. Yeah, uh, addictions like that. Justifications. Um, the the ism, the the disease within within us, um, and with me was just don't want to be found out it don't want to be it don't want to be found out it don't want to be found that it's a, a failed that it's a failing wrong you don't want to be found out so we we i don't think we lie either i think we bullshit what we do is bullshit and i've got a good friend who says there's a difference between bullshit and lying is that when you're bullshitting, you actually believe, you actually believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Whereas when you lie, you know you're lying. And I think that, I think with with addicts and alcoholics and anybody with a, an addiction, I think they do a lot of that. They're bullshitting themselves and then they start feeding it out. And, and sometimes... Sometimes it takes a bullshitter to know a bullshitter. I think that gets back to, you know, everybody, everybody to a degree wants to put an image out to the world. Mm. Uh, of, they, want, they want people to, this is the image I want you to see. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody does that to a degree on a scale. Yeah. I just, that I think that addicts, alcoholics, that, it's accentualized. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, it's like uh, it's magnified. Yeah. You know, and the, the bullshit becomes so thick. You know, that it, it's like you can't remember where you started with it and where you finished. Yeah. You're living a life that is. James, I'm going to have to just um, charge my phone up.
Yeah, go on, you're right. We'll just we'll cut I this a little bit, that's fine. Apologies for the cut. Um but yeah, so I was saying um that desire to um basically cr create your own um image of how you want people to see you and then yeah. just kind of force that out into other people's perception of you and and that's amplified in people who, who are addicts i i think so in, in my experience yeah it's just um some it's a bit further up the scale so we're all flawed aren't we so yeah and, and i see what you're saying about obviously it with social media is like a really good example of <clears throat> how um, I think it's, it's shone a light on how much people uh, want to be seen in a certain way um, and how, how they present themselves kind of, yeah. you know, wanting to be seen in that way. They, it highlights real social media. And really, that's exactly the, just the same. Everything in life is a highlights reel. You're not the same person at home that you are um, in a formal setting or, or in work. Um, or, or even with friends, like there are levels of yourself that you'll allow to be seen or, or, or levels of yourself that don't exist, but you materialize for the yeah. sake of other people. And yeah. so, so do you think that um, <clears throat> people who are, that have more of a tendency to, um, to be like that are typically tend to become addicts or are you saying that it's there's something about being an addict that makes you uh, want to sort of give a, a false perception of yourself to to hide it? Uh, I think um, I think generally, like we said earlier, everybody is on that scale to a degree. Well, what what makes them an addict? become an addict um, is really hard to say. I don't think anybody can really. I think there's, there's a school of thought out there that says genetics has a lot to do with it as well. Right. Um, there, there's like, a, you know, the makeup in us that some are more susceptible uh, biologically as well as um, mentally. You know, there's a biological factor in there somewhere where enzymes are produced enough in the you know in in the liver like you know there's a, there's different schools of thought about that uh, but it's very difficult to say yeah who would go on to become an addict um but i think the one thing that is that is true right across the board is that um everybody presents some kind of persona yeah some are really grounded and it's and it's not much of a persona just what you see is what what you get can you know you get that with some people they're very grounded um but but definitely people that are are finding that they need to present an image more you know there's a good case to say yeah there's a good chance they could that takes some for me that took some effort to constantly be trying to be somebody that I wasn't or mm. constantly that feeling 
when I was sober. See, drinking was not my problem. When it, sobriety was my problem in waking up every day and feeling not, um, feeling it, not just insecure, like he didn't fear. You know, there's, there's a, a, a lyric, Pink Floyd lyric, you know, an earthbound misfit. Um, like there's something missing, like you just don't fit anywhere. Um, and for me, when I had a drink, I fit, mm. you know, and it's not rocket science. If that, if it does that for you, um, then there's a good chance, you know, that could get out of control. Yeah. I'm sure some people have actually recognized that in the cells and stopped it before it does maybe you know it's just my experience that that didn't happen but i can it's only looking back it's only when i look back um where i see where pieces fit yeah you know and my because i never in in the problem you never see the problem when you're in the problem you need to be taken out of it um, and put in a different place I, that's what I believe happened with me is that I was placed somewhere else and was able to see what had happened, you know. So how, what, what was, what was that process of, well, first of all, um, do you remember like the, so was there like a click moment where you realized that? you were actually in trouble with it and it wasn't the justifications sort of became transparent to you was there a uh, moment there that that happened yeah, i don't i don't think it was one one specific moment it was like a gradual this is getting worse that seeing that i was um not doing seeing when I want going to work, when I stopped going to work, but was saying that's where I was going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it must have happened before then. There must have been a feeling that it was getting out of land before then, but it seemed to be a gradual process. Um, and to be fair, when I actually asked for help, I had no intention on that day doing that right um it came in the middle of a drinking it came in the middle of a drinking um binge right um whereas it usually would lead to me uh, maybe blacking out or or you know or being in a mess somewhere um actually got in the middle of it got sort of halted within me and i actually went to a phone it was a phone booth then I had no mobile or anything. I went to a phone booth in the middle of town and and rang, and I don't even know. I don't even, can't even remember how I had the number, you know, that I needed to ring, um, but I rang, you know, so something happened within me. I can't really explain it. That's why to this day, I don't think it was, I think I was under the influence of another, of another, source of power rather than rather than alcohol i think it was something else 
it was not I used to think it was all me <laughs> it's all me it's not <laughs> like there's a like there's um there's just another system that works in this world and I'm not it <laughs> I, it's not me so what okay we I mean you kind of and oh, that was my next question so you kind of answered that um so can you sort of put into words what it was that w that was like the last straw if the if it was even like that kind of a scenario um like why why quit when you quit um well to be brutally honest it, it wasn't so much um, the drinking well I knew I was drinking too much and I was drinking at a long whatever the wrong time is but I was drinking when I you know should have been working or been with family or whatever mm. but it wasn't it it wasn't that it was the how I felt about everything I'd come to a I'd come to um a place where I couldn't continue drinking or not drinking. It, so, but it wasn't really, I didn't go, oh, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. And I don't think I accepted that for a long time after, until after that I was an alcoholic. I knew that I had a drink problem. I knew there's a, that's the thing about this disease is that even, even though you might feel um, suicidal, um, I'd rather admit that I felt like that than admit I was an alcoholic. <laughs> it's crackers, why, isn't it? Why is that? It's crackers, isn't it? The, the, um, what addiction will do, what the stigma of being an addict or an alcoholic, the stigma of it hmm. even will outshine the brutal honesty that you would rather say I'm suicidal. Right. That's, wait that one out. <laughs> that's that, that's how that's how um, uh, strong an image is to people, mm. or can be to people. The image it can be so so overpowering that you are seen in the right light that you're seen by people to be a certain way that you'll not admit to being an addict or an alcoholic. But you'll quite happily say, you know, think about suicide mm. every day. To me, that's the baffling part of alcoholism. And that you think that's completely social? Completely? Social. What do you mean? Like, so, um, so just because of like the perception that people would have or... or or is it more about actually just not wanting to admit that you're sort of that you have completely succumbed to that to the substance? Yeah, it, yeah, to, to a big degree. I, I think um, I think would would rather save face than mm. save our asses. <laughs> but good. A lot of the time, yeah. I think 
I think we would. And not, not just, and again, it goes back to that. I think to a degree, everybody's a bit like that. No, one of my biggest fears um, in, one of the things that I did in recovery was um, to try and write down a few things that I thought I was frightened of um, with the help of somebody else. Um, and one of them things was public humiliation. Right. Was the my biggest being being found out for how I felt or 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 not so much the things I'd done is how I felt about myself, you know. You know, that I was everything that was less. You know, that really deep down everything that was less, that's how I felt. So What do you mean by that? Um, that that's what I didn't want everybody to know. And when and when I drank, I didn't feel those things. Mm. I didn't feel the less. You know, that that's why it's not baffling. It's not baffling for me when I look back and see. It's not. But don't baffle me at all. To to know that to to accept the fact that I'm an alcoholic. Um, meaning I can't drink alcohol, basically. That's all. I'm not saying, I, I, I consider myself as somebody who's recovered, not cured, re recovered from this disease on a daily basis. Um, but it doesn't baffle me anymore to, to realize that, to accept it. Alcoholism doesn't baffle me because I know exactly why I drank. Mm. And I know exactly why in the face of um, family and friends saying, why don't you stop? You know, you often hear that when family and friends of an alcoholic or an addict will, will go, why don't you stop? Because you've lost your job or you've, you know, or you've lost your wife or husband or things are just getting worse. Why wouldn't you stop? And at the time to the addict or alcoholic, it's as baffling to him as mm. it is to them. But it's only when I look back now and go, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because unless you've got, you know, I always used to say, unless you've got a solution, don't tell me, I'm, don't tell me what to do. Don't yeah. tell me that, that I need to go somewhere to get it sorted out, that I need help. Don't tell me that unless you've got, unless you've got a solution yeah. that's got depth and weight. And if it and if it doesn't match up to what half a bottle of vodka did when it worked, then I don't want to wear it. I'm not yeah. wear it. And because that I guess that's another misconception ex like from external people. And it, again it, it is the same um with like coaching nutrition from yeah. from the outside. Uh, you know, if you've got somebody who is overweight or unhealthy or if you've got somebody who is getting in trouble with addiction yeah the solution is not to stop doing it because like you said then it's not as simple as obviously stopping a solution yeah. is how like how do you actually do that like so again just taking it back to uh, what i know um if someone's overweight, saying to them, well, don't eat as much 
isn't a solution, find in a way that they can not eat as much as a process yeah. that that's actually followable has yeah. steps or principles then that that's obviously yeah that's a solution and that that's the misconception of people on the outside yeah say stop like don't well don't drink or don't eat as much or whatever it is that's not obviously a solution yeah. that's just that's what should happen as a result of the solution that we that obviously we yeah. no one just has like as a just like come whip it out the back pocket um okay so what was the process you up a little bit james oh sorry mate it's i think it, it'll be all right because we're recording both ends so um can you hear me okay I can hear you just a little bit. It's not as close as it was before, but go go ahead. Okay. Um. So how how um. What was your process of stopping? Obviously, uh, you've been sober for thirty years now, and it's it's always, I guess, ongoing. Easier now than before. Um. But getting over that, the, the initial hurdles that most or a lot of people stumble on um how did you do that what did it look like um um going back to what you said first about the you're dead right you can't you, you can't bully somebody into getting better or you can't you can't preach to them you can't this is what we said at the beginning very beginning it's all about um information and 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 approaching something at a friendly non sort of non sort of confrontational i suppose way the the ramifications with alcohol and drug addiction are obviously pretty um socially um are pretty severe so there's like a there's like a definite that's that's the subtle thing i suppose about addictions is that some addictions that haven't got that they haven't got that there's not that crisis point in reached with some um and and i think with alcoholism and drug addiction it's a good in the long run it's a good thing that it brings you to a definite crisis mm. whatever that might mean but basically pretty much end of the road thing yeah whereas some you might have somebody who who is definitely addicted to spending too much money mm. um you can go on for a long long time doing that you know i'm not saying that it's still the same addiction it's still the same thing but sometimes the ramifications of some a strung out can be strung out over a long period of time. Yeah. Whereas some addictions are very much pretty brutal. You mm. know, especially drug addiction. Some drug addiction is a brutal and short term thing for some people, very short term. Um but there has to be a recognition. They have to recognise that there's a problem. Without that 
doesn't matter how many people tell them, you know, there has to be some kind of recognition within yourself that something's got to change. Yeah. Or, or the, or the consequences of it, if you don't, you know, pretty severe. And I suppose that might be the same with nutrition, with people that eat too much or, or don't eat enough or whatever, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. That in, they're just symptoms. They're just the symptoms. The, the causes and conditions are an inward thing. It's an inward thing. And there has to be a submission of that before... Um, before this is only again this is only my this is only how I see it this is how it's my point of view on it that's all yeah so but uh, yeah what was what was so the question the, um, the question there was um, what was your process how how did you um, you know how have you reached 30 um, well sorry how did you initially get over the, the stumbling blocks that, that um, others fall over or that you may have previously fallen on? Um, and then how, how did you carry on from there? It, it was, a, for me, it was um, a recognition, firstly, a, a total recognition that I'm done, that, that I can't, of myself, I can't, do anything about it. I just have to surrender. So there had to be a surrendering first for me. Um, and that one total, that was a surrender of the alcohol, but maybe not quite a surrender of every, all my ideas and beliefs and whatever. Uh, that has been a, that's an ongoing, pro I think that's an ongoing process, but there had, my, I had to be stopped in my tracks mm. by the, by what was happening. And then, and then I got into, I, I uh, phoned uh, for help and got involved um, with other people that were doing the same thing. And that was, f for me, that was the most important thing in the beginning for me, is to be amongst other people like myself, basically, um, and try and immerse myself in, you know, in that, in that kind of fellowship that's what I needed in the beginning um, and then certain uh, principles that I had to put into my life um, whatever that spiritual principles uh, that I applied in my life um, just a day at a time really that's all it's ever been is a day at a time you know and it's nice to be it's nice to be um, to get uh, this kind of sobriety under my belt, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not, it's not important um, compared to the only days today I've been living. It's not as important as that. It's just a day. I just do it today. I just do try and follow that formula that was introduced to me um, the best that I can do it. And then that other system kicks in. There's another system that is not a me, that is higher than me, that when I stop and stop trying to fight anything or anybody, that I just let it wash over me, things happen better than me at the helm. You know, there's a big, I know in the world, we, 
there's a big system of thought that says you're the captain of your own ship, you know, and you make your own choices. And I understand that. But for me, in addiction, um, there had to be a giving up of that. Giving up that I knew, basically that I knew much about anything because I didn't. And then, and then let these principles, let that system that I have no idea about and, I, and, and to this day don't want to know anymore. There was a point I did, but I don't. Uh, I just know that it works. It works if I if I stop trying to interfere with it. Um, it's a bit difficult to give you the specifics on yeah. that, you know, because there's, there's there is you know. Yeah, but I get like I guess the takeaway is the big one is the surrendering, um, and that yeah. I just listening to you there I understand that to mean. Um, surrendering the idea that that you on your own can manage what you've recognized as the problem right so yeah because your automatic yeah. response even once you've realized it is all right well i, I can get this under control or you or i know the way like so s yeah. surrendering that yeah that to manage it, it's an it's a this the sense of self or the ego, whatever you want to call it, wants to get you out of this. Even after the initial surrendering, when it was stopped, there's still a feel, there's still a sense of me that goes, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to manage this better now. Mm. We're going to look at this and look at that. And I, I personally think that we all have that within us. Like, if I did this and I do that and I do this, this result will happen. If I wait for this and I wait for that and I have goals and whatever, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, I only recognise that they're secondary to recognition that I'm not the... I am not sailing this ship. Mm. No. But it looks that way. It has always looked that way, and it can still look that way today. It's a bit like I heard a guy talk about the story about the ant on the log mm. going down the river. And from the ant's perspective, he sees the front of that log moving round a bend when he can see that we need to move round the bend here because the torrent is... And then it moves, and it... And the ant becomes convinced that it is the, it's the driver. <laughs> but it's all the time, it's just been sat on a log and the current has taken it along. But it, it gives that, it gives that um, perception that I am, that the, the ant is the driver. Yeah. It's only the sport. We use stories to try and point to certain truths and that's one that I remember is and that and I identify with that that there's a big part of me, there's this part of me or me like that voice that says oh we just need to do this better and then and even in recovery I was doing that for a long time and not really there was no settling of any ease within myself I was still trying to manage things and then I heard somebody talk about 
there comes a time when you have to just lay down on the operating table and let the surgeon do the do the work mm. and try and resist the age to pick up the scalpel <laughs> or to tell him where to make the next incision and that that's that where I think we're diamet diametrically opposed to that our old functioning is opposed to that we're brought up you know we're brought up with this this um, conditioning that if you only manage well you know, just need to manage well you know and everything will be well for me as as, as somebody who who struggled with alcohol that that was shown to me through you know through these principles and that all i had to do was follow follow principles i didn't have to understand them either i had to just follow them and apply them in my life and then see what happened and and that's what's happened there's been like a release like a, there's a freedom there that's not me being free it's like it's all almost like recognized it's always been there as well it's always been there it's just that what's been in the way is my is the way that i want to do things you know mm -hmm. and it's not perfect i'm not saying it's perfect it's just i recognize it today as a different system and i'd rather put I'd rather put my faith in that system than the one that I used to put in, which was me. Yeah. I know I always had lots of faith. I just put them in the wrong boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. That's all. All right, mate. So, um, so, and I, oh, sorry, I, I did want to touch on a little point that you, that you talked about before, um, which I see a lot. Like, obviously, I, <clears throat> In my job, I encourage people to make quite big changes in their life, and and you know, there's a lot of things that people can be addicted to, um, and and uh, you know, trying to make someone healthy is almost always fighting some kind of addiction. Um, yeah. and and I find that a problem that people have quite a lot, like, so you was you was thirty years, um on the 28th of August, right? That was right, wasn't it? And... Yeah. Yeah, well, remember. But... But I don't ever remember you... Um, counting it. Or... No. In fact, any time I've ever heard it has come from mum. Saying, oh, yeah, your dad, it was 25 years today, or whatever, just kind of randomly. And, and obviously for the 30... Um, we've made quite a big deal of it, but up until that point, it, it never really seemed to be a big deal to you how long it had been. Um, and I find it quite, again, it, it, just like yourself, it is only my experience with the people that I've coached um, or tried to coach is that whenever they're really hyper-focused on how far they've come, then they're not able to really look at where they're going. Um, yeah. Especially in, in terms of the people who um, shout about it a lot tend to be the people who fall off the wagon because it seems like 
they're not doing it for themselves. Um, so when someone says, yeah. oh, I've lost this much, I've lost that much, um, I haven't smoked for this long, I haven't smoked for that long, I haven't had a drink for this long, drink for that long, um, yeah. is like the, the telling people about it is the reward for doing it. Yeah. And when yeah. that reward starts to run dry, then they run into a problem because the, think the reason that they were doing it or the, the thing they were doing it for tends not stops having stops being there as a result of of doing it um so i i always try to encourage people to obviously keep an eye on their progress and definitely celebrate the successes um but for me it comes down to reasoning like like what is the actual reason for doing it and if it is to to be externally rewarded you know then it, it it almost never, in my experience, ends very well or, or gets as far as they'd want it to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, de yeah, definitely. I think there's, 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 there are parallels. Um, I know that it was a big, it was a big thing for me to be a year sober. Hmm. I think, we, I think, um, your mother even did a cake and a, like balloons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the serious note, it was it was a big thing, mm. and and I encourage that in anybody who's anybody who's three months, six months, whatever is it's a big thing, um, and they need to be they need to be like encouraged about that. They've done really well. I think it's just natural that. In time, it's not about, you realise it's not about that. It is a help in the beginning, definitely. Mm. Um, but if, if it's only ever been about that, then you will, I personally think it's going to fail, it's a fail thing. Because you're not doing it for the right, you know, it's not done for yeah, the right. It's, it's a tool for motivation. It's a definitely a good tool. There's a, there's a lot of brilliant tools in the world. Um, there's a lot of good, good uh, um, one old Indian guy, I can't remember his name, old Indian guru, sagey guy, yeah. said that you have to, sometimes you've got to use a thorn to remove a thorn. Um, but once the thorn's been removed, you don't need the thorn, you don't need the thorn used to remove the thorn. If you get what I'm saying. Might so sometimes on that one. <laughs> so you use a tool to remove something. Once it's been removed, there's no tools needed anymore. There's more. You see, Albert Einstein said you can't <laughs> you can't use a broken tool to remove a broken tool, which is what. What the guy's saying is sometimes we, in the beginning, we need to use things that are going to work, skillful means. Um, and there are skillful means, but once once you get through a certain point, you don't need to be doing the same things anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, think there are things you need to do in the beginning, and I don't think, I think after a certain point, it, with me, when, when, um, 
when the principles are applied daily for how many days, whatever it takes. Everybody's different, um, but eventually there's a, there's a waking up. There's a, there's realizing that I was asleep, and and then there's a point comes where I've woken up, and I don't. All I have to do, then things have have been placed in a different place then. And then, but I still have to carry on practicing certain principles, you know, that worked. But some things that I, I did a lot in the early days, I don't necessarily do now, you know. Yeah. Some things were rigid, like a rigid set of doing, read such a thing or, or, you know, maybe pray for 10 minutes a day or what. I had a rigid set of things that I would do that helped me. Um, I find today that I don't, they were like, they were like props. There were things that helped me along mm. until my most, until my, you know, until my spiritual, maybe my spiritual muscles were ready to. You know, it's difficult. It's ever so hard to point to words, but yeah, birthdays are important. Uh, little celebrations, little milestones are important. But if they become, if they're the only thing, you soon you've seen it in nutrition how many people talk about yo-yo dieting you know yeah and yo-yo is exactly what it is why do you keep doing the same thing why do i lose why am i losing why do i do so so well lose so much weight and then the foot's taken off the gas and um and they go by and they go by and and then go and go back to the same mm. habits yeah we more often than not in nutrition we'll put that down to superficial motivations like yeah. usually if i when i sit down with a a client it'll be we'll have um three main goals and one goal will be actionable so it'll be the objective of what they're actually going to do the second goal will be the result of the action which is always quite superficial. Uh, well, usually quite superficial. So, you know, lose fat, um, feel better, have more energy, whatever it is. Not superficial, but, um, you know, it's surface usually um, and short term. And then the third one is outcome. Um, and that's always the most important one. And it's, you know, it, it, if you were, 10 pounds lighter or if you were um fit just able to get up a flight of stairs without being winded you know what does it actually do for you not not just what are you getting for your actions but how does that you know affect your life how does that you know what does it impress on the rest of your life so you know you could have um you could have someone sat in front of you who says oh i want to you know, I, I just, I, I want to be fitter. I feel like I'm not very healthy. And so you go, all right, well, we're going to go to the gym this many times. You're going to eat this. You're going to do that. And the result of that is that you might be able to run 10 miles in six months' time. That'd be great. Um, but the outcome is you'll be able to run around with your kids in the park and, and keep yeah. up with and not be gassed and, and join in with yeah. with moments, really, that, you don't want to miss out on, but you could, yeah. you know. Um, where, it has, where it has nothing to do with image. So 
you're talking about um, results that have nothing to do with image. Yeah. Like I run 10 miles, which is great, which is really good as a personal thing. But there's a lot of image in that. But running around with your kids or your grandkids on the park is something is real. That's depth and weight. Yeah. That kind of depth and because that is powerful. Who wants to who wants to be stuck on a bench seat when you know when you could be? It's within your capabilities if with enough persistence to be able to run around with your kids. Mm. You know, or your grandkids. That is that's a lot more powerful than I'm not denigrating being able to run. No, yeah, I'm no, but it, it is. It's just le it's levels of of goals. That's yeah. just levels, and and usually, you we you I use both as motivation. It, it's yeah. not that one is motivating and the other one isn't. It's yeah. just that one of them is going to motivate you, um, when you're in the gym, when it's hard, you know, when you're on the road running or or whatever it is, yeah. and the other one is going to keep you coming back. Yeah. You know, it, it makes yeah. it. You know, it, it's the ultimate kind of reward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and and obviously, that's um, the results of being unhealthy are obviously just as bad, but probably not quite as acute as addiction. You know, you're not likely to lose your job, um, or as likely to lose your family or, or do something very compromising just because you're overweight or just because you're unfit. Um, but I guess the, yeah. the principles sort of do still apply that the result of quitting drinking would be that you, you know, keep your job, you know, or yeah, let's say that keep your job, but the outcome of it is that, Obviously, the rest of your life is just going to be yeah. better than it would have been, most likely. Um, you know, yeah. so there's there's yeah. always levels. Yeah, you can't you can't say what would have been or what wouldn't have been because we don't know. Yeah. Um, but you can only look back. I I can only look back at my life and look at the 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 family that are in my life. And the people that are in my life, and and know that that was all to do with um, a, that was to do with coming having a crisis in my life, and recognizing that, and then giving into a process, um, and that's a bit of a it's a bit of a leg up really in the long run because I was forced into it, whereas I suppose. Like you said, there's so many people that they don't know when there's a heart attack around the corner waiting to happen, but mm. they don't know that. That might not, that's maybe not going to, um, maybe not going to motivate them, you know. Maybe it will. Um, but yeah, it, it's got to have, it's got to be some depth and weight in in the method, you know. Yeah. And You've got to reckon. There's got to be a recognition that you need to change your lifestyle. I was I was thinking about this um, a couple of days ago when I was walking around with your mum, because as you know, I've got like 
I've had sciatica for a long time. Mm. But I I always have known as well, you talked about bullshit, when we talked about bullshit earlier, like I'd bullshit myself about it lots. About what I could do, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this, I could do that. But the, the biggest part of the bullshit is that I know that if I did enough work physically on my core muscles that to support my frame, mm. it would ease my sciatic. I know that. <laughs> See, I know that's clear to me. Yeah. I don't, it's not um, it's not rocket science, is it? No. But has it but has it motivated me to do that? Not yet. No. So well, I, and maybe I, even you could say. Um, you know, we could say, okay, well, you know what the problem is. You know yeah. um, what the actionable process for a solution is. Um, yeah. You know the results. You know the superficial results as well is that you won't be in pain anymore. But, yeah. you know, maybe it, it's worth taking some time to think about the outcome, i.e., sitting on a park bench when your grandkids are all running around and those little yeah. magical micro moments that could be had Definitely, potentially yeah. not being had that's powerful yeah. um yeah. you know and i think on for anyone who, who is in that position with whatever the um quote unquote problem is um it's helpful always to to have that in mind, to think about the outcome and not just the superficial result. Because like you say, we, yeah. most of us know what, the, what we're supposed to do or what the issue yeah. is or where to find the help. But it's just the, the motivation is not powerful enough. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah the, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, to outweigh to outweigh the consequences. Yeah. You know what the, I know what the consequences, intellectually I know what the consequences would be, but the, the bullshit within me will justify one more day that I don't yeah. do, you know. And that's fairly and squarely my, my um, responsibility. Mm. Or accountability. Accountability, yeah. I'm accountable for that. Nobody else can be accountable for that. But it has to be cleared. But the bullshit has to be cleared away first, you know. Yeah, got to um, surrender. What are you say? Yeah, yeah, surrender to that. In that, yeah, it's another, it's another point in in my life where there has to be a surrender, and then a set of a set of working steps from that to to change that change that situation mm. you know so you know I could every week I could um, phone you or text you or zoom meet with you and say right James what can I do and you could tell me all the right plans all the, the nutrition all the, the physical stuff to do wouldn't mean anything unless I'm Unless I do something about yeah, it, yeah. Unless you really, unless you want it, that's that's the, big, that's the biggest part of your job. It's not so much the training, is it, or nutrition? It's motivating people 
Yeah. It's helping motivate them to get them going, you know. Yeah, keep definitely. that motivation going. Yeah. It it's it's managing it's managing the process to be doable for one and then and then like you say it, it, it's encouraging people to find the right motivation for it and um, because yeah, yeah. there's no it, it's it's the same there's no way to you can't bully someone into it um you know it's got to come from them but but and this uh, this could you know you, you might have a good bit of input on this as well as a coach my i'm always thinking about how can i um encourage somebody to find that motivation because i can't make them do it i've just got to find a way for them to discover that they really want to do it so if you were if you knew somebody who you thought was on was getting into trouble with alcohol then you know for a fact you can't just tell them they have to do it how how do you go about no. how do you go about um helping them to to see it for themselves if that's even possible yeah that it's quite a big one that because it's all them in a way it's all them so there has to be they have to have their own uh, submission I can't make it, I won't make them, they have to be in that place. So they've got to be ready. They've got to be ready to take a course of action that they wouldn't normally take. Mm. So I would only ask them to do exactly what I did. What I did and what somebody sat down to me and said, if you want, basically they said to me, if you want what I've got, then do what I do. Um, that specifically, principles-wise or steps-wise, or what you know, do what I do. But the biggest part is going to get is getting them into that, into the starting blocks. Yeah. And there's, and there's faults. There's many faults starting blocks, and you don't know which ones they're in, mm. and they're just in one that's going to get them. And they're just in the starting box that's going to get um, the boss off the back or the wife off the back. You know, are, are they in, are they doing it just to get clear of some trouble? Yeah. And, and so you don't, so if somebody comes along, you don't know really where they're at. Well, you, you have to sit down with them and get a, get a degree of it. Usually, the more battered they are and beat up, the, the better the, the better the chance they're going to do what you know what you ask them to do. Mm. And that's you know what I can only speak from my experience. So I I only ever tell people if I'm working or I'm trying to help anybody um, that this is what I did. Um, if you want to do that, I'm willing to help. But if you're not, then I it's not. I don't want to help. I can't help you. You can't help somebody who don't want to help. Who don't want my help? Yeah. And is the because I think it 
if I was somebody, if, if I knew somebody who I really thought was in trouble, um, my main thing would not be, oh, I'm concerned that I can't help them. It would be that um, I'm going to say something wrong or, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of things that are not going to be helpful that you that people probably think they're being helpful. Is there any just kind of a, you know, any warnings that you would give to just just say you know if you do know somebody who's that you think is struggling or in trouble with it then don't do this like don't some things that people commonly do but probably shouldn't to try and help the people yeah um the the first thing i the, the thing that i struggled with for a long time was i thought i was responsible for what came out of my mouth, especially when, if we're talking with addicts or alcoholics or alcoholics, that there was a feeling that I'm responsible. So if they don't get it, I've given the wrong, mm. the wrong, I gave them the wrong um, advice or whatever. It's not advice. Um, and then I realized I, I'm not, <laughs> That's that's my ego. That's my that's still my ego thinking that I have got power, some kind of power, and I haven't got any. And then, then it Then I could relax and go, look, this is what I did. For me personally, this is what I did. I'm I'm willing to help you um, to do those things, to guide you through those things. Um, the best that I can. Um, and, do you know, in my experience, the minute they're sincere and they actually start doing them, you, you see them change straight away. You can see them changing straight away. You can see their outlook to life changing. You can, it's like, like, you know, they're, they're just changing, not overnight, but there's a definitely a change and that was a that, and that was only the result of of trying to be three things: honest, open-minded, and willing. Just honest, open-minded, and willing. And to be fair, that's all I was told for a long time. Steve, just be honest, open-minded, and willing. In fact, I got bored of people telling me. I got bored of it because I wanted to know more. I wanted to know the ins and outs of things. How things. Yeah, but how does it really work? This or how does, and the that the wisdom that I was getting was, it's not for you to, you know, to be concerned with that. Just be honest in your daily, your daily activity, your daily dealings with people. Be as honest as you can be with them. Be open to open-minded to everything. Don't discount anything. Be open to it. So you become teachable become teachable and I, I realized that I wasn't for a long time I was not teachable I had my way of looking at things and that was it um, and that stopped me that stopped a lot of information coming in and then probably most important was willing be willing to do the things that you don't understand it might not make any sense to you but be willing just to do them 
and then see, you know, because, you know, the guy, that, a guy, you know, there's been a few people, a guy, one guy in particular, he said to me, just, he said, I promise you, if you just those three things, um, on a daily basis, you'll come out of this. You'll just start to come out of it. And you won't understand how, how it's that, how, but you will understand it's just those three principles. Honesty, open man and willing, which sounds really simple. It's a simplistic way of, but life really is that simple. Like, it really is that simple. Um, again, and that just got me connected with something that was greater than me, I believe. It's just something that was greater than me. I didn't, and it didn't matter what I called it. It not matter what I called it. It's just something that works. Mm. That brings that, um, that brings that, um, that ease and comfort. Just an e an ease and comfort in life, rather than a rather than just full of feelings, negative feelings. You know, I'm not saying that I don't get negative feelings, and I do. You know, it's just that they don't swamp my life. They, you know, they wash up sometimes on the shore, and but they don't swamp. I'm not swamped in them. You know? mm. So yeah. Honesty, open man and willing. I, I would. I think that's the same with it in anything. You know, in anything. You know, yeah. How, how many? Just the, the principle of being. If you're talking to somebody about nutrition, um, and you say, and you say, look, here's and here's something that's really good for you. You know, might contain certain vitamins or whatever or different things that I don't understand. If I'm in a position that I'm open-minded, I would go, do you know what, I'll, I'll give that a try. Mm. Um, but my, my the old me would go, uh, yeah, he's saying that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I've heard that before. And blah. Like, like, just constantly got a, like an opinion on everything. Like, I'm going to nullify everything everybody says. And it's not, are wanting to do that it's like built in like a built in mm. you know oh, i'll check that through from my own and through my own you know because i know i know not best but you know i'm intelligent bloke and the greatest thing to be for me the greatest thing today is to go hey do you know what i know nothing <laughs> i don't know nothing because <laughs> from that from that position that yeah. that hey I don't know, mate. What are you talking <laughs> to me about vitamins and what? I don't know. But there's all, but there's a, do you know what? But I'll give it a go and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. I feel better about it and feel better, you know. And it's, so it's an attitude. It's not a, it's an attitude. And the attitude is open-mindedness, you know, or, or honesty. Now, who wants to be who wants to be rigorously honest about how they're feeling or how they look at things or whatever. Um, you, that's really hard if you've got an image that you want to live up to. Yeah. If you've got an image that you want to live up to, it's pretty difficult to be honest because you're going to be seen for what you are. But for that to be wiped away and the image to be wiped away, you know, my mate used to say, it's a bit like standing there in the street with your pants around your ankles without the edge to go, 
oh, I need to pull them up quick. Mm. It's like, ah, oh, pants around my ankles again. <laughs> Better pull them up. You know, like there's no, des I'm not desperate so to pull should. them up. But it's like, I suppose I should really, because I've, I've got to live in a world that, you know, <laughs> I've got to get rested. <laughs> could get done here. I could get done here. Yeah. But it's like not, a, what I'm trying to say is, if you're not trying to protect an image, then honesty is easy. Because mm. you, you've got no, there's nothing to protect or lose or gain or it's just, Oh, like to live like that, to live like, oh, oh there's no, I know what, the effort, the effort that I put into trying to make, you know, like, like blowing that image up every day. <laughs> keep it going, keep going, keep it up there. And then somebody would like come near me with a pin. Oh no, stay away from me. <laughs> And why, why not just let it go to, and then see, see that, hang on, I'm not dead. Just a little bit tough for it. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. <laughs> Nobody's abandoned me. I haven't been rejected. Because <laughs> it's all based on that. And again, it, it, obviously it's, it's easy enough to sort of laugh at that, but. Yeah. It, but it is again like we touched on before is a massive part of our culture um especially now with social media with we're all comparing ourselves to the highlight reel of other people's lives and plus social pressure to to have a certain image um so yeah um, but again i think you could probably you could probably um put that down as an addiction, being addicted to being seen in a certain way or having a certain social status. Yeah. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, that can obviously, just as in the same way as any other addiction, can be um, broken down through yeah. process. And, and, and in, in that, that, it's killing you in the same way. It's, it's going to kill you in the same way because you're going to spend the whole of your life. If it's not recognized, if, it, if that's not recognized within you, anybody, mm -hmm. then why, then you, you're living a life. You're going to be living a life continually um, trying to prop that up. Now, how, how many times I talk about people in their old age become like little children again yeah you know like they're just like little kids in a playground but they're now in the 70s and 80s or whatever um and you, they say you can see that in a lot of people that get to that stage because during the life they've been it's not been dropped mm -hmm. that image has not been dropped it's never been seen through you know not not that it's any of their it's not their fault you just you can see maybe circumstances or whatever, but that image has never been dropped. Now you're in a body that's frail, that's dependent on other people, um, and maybe a mind as well, you know. 
and then that's double whammy because you physically at the you physically got to rely on other people. Mm. If your image is not being by that time, it's going to be hell. It's going to be hell. It's only I'll see it. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up, mate. Uh, okay, mate. Yeah. Uh, Sean's going to kill me because he's going to have a chunk of editing to do. Um, <laughs> but just, I just wanted to get sort of your um, last thoughts. Obviously, where this subject came up because of Stoptober. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that Stoptober? On the Stoptober thing. From from an from an alcoholic point of view, um, it would just be a map. Try and have a look within. Try and have a look within yourself. Are you stopping? Because it's October. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's generally it's it's only got to be a good thing for the whole for everybody to stop drinking for the. For um, a month, uh, it's just not—it's not on my radar that that kind of thing. But I can see that I can see the um, the importance of it. Which you know, one of the, the physical one of the phys- physical things that I was going to say earlier, but I, I, I forgot to say, or it just went by. Um, was that I, I noticed that when I stopped drinking the physical, physically, that I craved sugar. Mm. I craved sugar because alcohol, especially beer, lager, and stuff, there's like so so sugar in a, in the lager and out and beer, and I didn't used to like puddings. <laughs> I didn't used to like puddings when I was drinking. Because I was getting plenty of sugar. <laughs> then when I stopped drinking, I'd love my apple pie and ice cream and stuff like that. Um, but they did, they did recommend to us that there's nothing wrong in having a, the old chocolate bar here and there and try and keep the sugar levels up. Because apparently that's one thing that we do miss, you know, when you mm. stop drinking. So I don't, obviously you'll know all about, you'll know all about that. Well, there'll be a lot of people out there to stop in drinking for October, um, like smoking as well. You know that they, you know, maybe not try and give up two things at once. Yeah. You know? um, but definitely sugar. I made up. I used to eat a lot of sugar, like chocolate and puddings and stuff like that. I didn't realise that. No. Yeah, that was like a common thing. I'm glad you can't tell too much from the. <laughs> 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 Still loves his apple pie and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but in all seriousness, you know anybody that can pack it in for a month. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. you say. I, I had an obviously an, an idea of what you would say in answer to that question. In terms of as an alcoholic, like you say, what yeah. like what's your reason for doing it? It's just because it stopped over. But um, for those listening. I, I, like I say, I've only ever heard 
really good things about Stocktober or, or Dry January or whatever it is. Yeah. People, the main thing is, and obviously not talking now from an alcoholic's perspective, just talking from most people, yeah. is that they just don't realize the, the impact it has on them psychologically yeah. and physiologically. Um, yeah. that when they're just having you know, a glass of wine a night or a couple of glasses of wine or, or a can of lager or whatever after work, um, how much of a difference it makes to just stop doing that for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but you obviously you don't realize, you don't see the negative because it's quite gradual. But you mm-hmm. see the positives yeah. when you stop because in something like Stocktober, it's so sudden. Um, but yeah, I think from a health, obviously, perspective, it's weird. And, and even, even if, um, you know, for someone who was kind of, it felt like they were in a little bit of trouble with it. And this was going to be an opportunity where a lot of people around them are going to be doing the same thing. So that's also quite helpful, but you, yeah. you can never lose anything by just doing it. Like, just stopping for a month, seeing what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a really, it's a really positive thing if you can, if you can use it as a looking at how I feel, looking at how I physically feel, looking at the kind of thoughts that I have as well, mm. psychologically. We, we know that alcohol is a depressive, um, but, and people go, well, some people go say, well, that's not in my experience. You know, it always lifted my spirits, you know, and that, that's the case. What it means is it depresses, it depresses um, the emotions that you're most um, swamped with. Mm. You know, that's why, well, they say well-balanced, happy people usually don't have trouble with alcohol. They can take it or leave it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Helps them relax and whatever. But if you're depressive to start with, or negative to start with, then it depresses those emotions, yeah. which makes you feel the opposite to it. I've never thought that. about it in that way. Yeah. So that that's why that's why it doesn't really make any sense. Because an alcoholic will, will say, "Well, it doesn't make any sense," you know, and it, you know. Well, it's, it's probably because you're not very, probably not the most upbeat person in the morning mm. <laughs> when you wake up. <laughs> you know, and then you have a drink, and then, hey, oh, it makes you feel different because it's, yeah. it's, it's emotions that you. Yeah, that are, it's not bringing them up, it's just taking away yeah. the, the negatives. Yeah. It depresses whatever that is, yeah. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't understand that in my own experience i've missed perfect sense you know mm. which is why you know it, why it was the mornings that were the trouble not not the drinking it was a sobriety yeah the trouble that's when i felt flat and depressed and not right you know and then so it, it goes from there but my hats off to anybody who can do this for october you know use it as a experience to to have a look have a yeah. look and if you're kind of um if you're the kind of 
um, person that you'd maybe feels a bit lighter in the cells at the end of October for it and better for it can only be a good thing, you know, if it makes you think, well, oh, maybe I am drinking a bit. Because there are those out there that are not alcoholics, they just drink too much, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not always... It's a learning experience, it'll be a learning experience, however. Yeah. You keep an open mind, so keep an open mind. Open-mindedness, yeah. Mindedness. Oh, mate. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. It's not a problem. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really good. If you've been affected by any of the topics discussed in this interview, please do take a look at the links in the description and the show notes that might be able to help. Now, we'd love to hear about your stories and your experiences. Have you gone sober? maybe for life or maybe for the odd month for something like dry January or sober October. Or maybe you've simply cut back on alcohol and noticed a positive difference. If you're listening as a podcast, send an email to sean at nutri-iq.net and use the subject line podcast to let us know your story. That's S-H-A-U-N at N-U-T-R-I-I-Q.net. And if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, let us know down below. So thanks for tuning in to Nutri IQ Radio this week. If you're listening as a podcast and you haven't already, if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. And you can even do it right in the app. Any reviews you leave, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. And of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you watch it on YouTube or Facebook, if you could give the video a like, that would be a massive help because it lets them know these shows are something people enjoy, so they're more likely to show them to other people. And finally, if you want to follow us around social media, make sure you like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at NutriIQ without the dash, follow us on Twitter at NutriIQ Official, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, NutriIQ TV. See you next week.